I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, July 13, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We got a lot of stuff on the docket today. We have a reversal on our hands, so we're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss what jumps off the daily chart at us. We're also going to discuss the downside. We're going to discuss supports. We're going to discuss a possible rope-a-dope. We'll talk other markets. We'll continue... And I emphasize the word continue to talk divergences. And guess what? We're going to learn some stuff along the way. That is my commitment to you. We'll have some fun with stocks on the move. You'll know more when we get there. Let's focus on exactly what happened with the S&P on the daily chart. What's going on? Well, let's go back to the gap that we discussed many, many times, 319. They open above the gap this morning that in and of itself under normal garden variety conditions is bullish the market did go higher before the afternoon meltdown but they open above the gap so you have to take it at face value it's bullish here's a short-term chart they open above the gap and they do move higher they make a bull flaggish kind of pattern but guess what they fall apart they collapse the pattern fails. We'll cover more of that as we go along. Couple of things right out of the chute. If they close the day above the gap at 319, that would have also been bullish. That leaves the ball in the bull's camp. But they didn't do that. So the reverse is also true. Getting to the gap, especially opening above the gap and closing below is bearish. Opening above and closing below is really the biggest bearish part. Getting there and not closing above the first day isn't necessarily bearish in and of itself. Opening above and failing is bearish. So let's make sure we make the distinction. Is this a reversal candle? Well, in the sense of a true reversal candle, maybe, maybe not. You can make a case it is or it isn't. What it is, is a gap and crap. Doesn't really matter what you call it. Market finishes near the lows after a gap up. That's a reversal on its face. We have to be aware of the downside. Okay, where is the downside possibilities? Where could they be going? The first order of business is a gap that was left unattended to. They made an attempt to fill it. They missed. That would be the first objective from a common sense perspective on the way down. Now, it's at 310.52, and that's not enough in and of itself to say, hey, that's all the market's going to do on the downside. Go ahead and buy it. They'll probably rally off that spot. That in and of itself isn't it. You have to see what else is going on there. There's a couple of things going on there. Happens to be coinciding with currently where the 20-period moving average is. Is that important? It's something. It's not extremely important. The market has been back and forth through the 20-period moving average to the point where it's not as relevant as it would be if the market hasn't visited the 20-period moving average in quite some time. But it's something, it's a small piece to the puzzle. 
we'll throw it on the table. What else we got? We got the high of a breakdown candle. The high is 310.51, so that also is the same spot, so it's also on the table. It would be a puzzle piece, therefore we'll use it. Wouldn't 310 also coincide with another big fat round number? They were at one big fat round number up north today at 3200. What about 3100 in the S&P futures? Doesn't that coincide with around 310? And the answer is yes, it's below the gap. But it's close enough to 310 where we have to be aware of that spot. What's below that spot? How about another gap, 308.36. Now, here's the one you're really looking for. What happens on a hard sell if the market's going to blow through 310, 308 and change? Where's the spot that would shake everybody out, would think the market's collapsing, yet would be a safety net at what number? And when I say safety net... At minimum of intraday support. It's a give or take, and inside the numbers members will certainly have it refined down, but it's at 304. Coincides with the convergence right below of the 50 period and the 200 period moving average. Think about this for a moment. Always look at both sides of the tape, both possibilities, meaning bullish and bearish. What happens if they're going to come down and make another higher low? Let's just say, for argument's sake, that this was it on the downside. They did come down here over the next several days, let's say. We don't know. This is a hypothetical scenario. But let's say they made a higher low. So you have a low, and this was an important low. Remember, this was, quote-unquote, last Monday's low. It's not last Monday anymore. It's the low from the 15th of June. Then they made a higher low. What would happen if they made a third higher low? That would be interesting. Don't get me wrong. They can also cut through it like a hot knife through butter. That's something that you have to see in real time during the day. You've got to see what the market does, how it gets there, how it reacts or doesn't react from an intraday and short-term candle perspective. That's exactly and precisely what Inside the Numbers is for. Speaking of which... Let's take a look. So you wake up, the market's bullish. They've already filled the gap in the pre-market at 319. They did the thing in the futures, opening up Sunday night into Monday. So we're poised to open above the gap. So that's the thing of the morning. So let's move along. Let's see what's going on in the pre-market and then early thoughts commentary and then as the day gets underway. Remember, early in the day, it was bullish. So we've got bullish numbers on the board. We've got supports on the board. We know where the supports are. I'm going to continue scrolling up. Traders that are interested should pause the video, go back to the charts, see what the market did in and around that time or after the post was made and see how good or not good this is. What you'll see in the morning session is we were focused on two numbers in particular. 319, that was the gap. They jumped over the gap, so it's an important number any way you want to look at it. What was support becomes resistance. What was resistance becomes support. That's the way the market works. The other number that was uber important was 320. Why was 320 important? Because it represents the big fat round number that coincides with ES3200. It's psychological, but it's always important. Let's continue moving along. We did see some early weakness in the IWM and the transports. They picked up steam a little bit, but then they turned back down. They've been the canary in the coal mine. 
Remember the financials? They turned around Friday. They've been weak. They needed to have follow-through today. We'll take a look at them later. The IWM had the lower high working. Remember that from the weekend video? We'll also take a look at that later as well. Here's one W hit to the penny. We'll take a look at stocks on the move after we're finished with the commentary. Meanwhile, we'll scroll up and you'll see the 19 or 319 was tested. They came up somewhat short. They went back up. Let's take a look at the chart. You know the thing. Everything to the right of the vertical is today's activity. Here's a five-minute SPY chart. So they open above 319. They come to do a back test. They never quite get there. And then they take off to the upside. That's normal garden variety market behavior, which was exactly why 319 was cited as support below 319 and it opens the door to fill the gap what happened later in the day they got below remember they came for a retest in the afternoon they had a bounce off of it then they gave up the ghost and then there's the gap they don't even really stop at the gap we'll get to all that later on the main thing and you'll see this in the notes for inside the numbers members the main thing was closing the day below the gap was bearish that's really all you needed to know If you wanted to take advantage of that and you wanted to short the market under the gap, that's fine. Below the gap is bearish. Call it a recapture of the gap. Here's a picture of what we were looking at earlier in the day. Market was bullish, wanted to put this on the board so everybody had an understanding of what I was looking at. 320 represents the big fat round number of ES3200, psychologically important. 319 represents the gap they jumped over this morning. Above and they're bullish. The opposite is true. Below and they're not. No secrets, no mysteries. This is everything that I'm looking at. Everything I'm looking at is posted on the board. Now, we're looking for a mid-morning, late-morning pivot. Little do we know at the time the pivot was going to turn out to be a meltdown. You never know that. When you're taking a short-term view of the market, you can only go based on what the 10-minute candles, the 5-minute candles, the 15s, the 30s, the 60s, and you have to take it one step at a time. Let's continue moving along. As they move down, it becomes showtime for the bulls. 319, 320 is showtime below these numbers, and it can be an unraveling. We know that a daily close below these numbers is bearish period. Said it a handful of times here. Let's finish out the notes for the day and then we'll go down to stocks on the move. Should be getting up close here. We know the drill into the end of the day. Anything goes. Once they got below 319 on the way back up, 319 would have been, if they did that, resistance. Stocks on the move, Monday morning, the market was gapping up. Things were rather quiet. There wasn't a lot of opportunity on the board. There weren't a lot of stocks moving in the pre-market. We had three possibilities on the board. W, win, and RDFN. So two hit their price objectives. Let's go take a look at those charts. Very straightforward. Wayfair was on the board bright and early. The two numbers, which are rather close together, identified in the pre-market activity, 214.10 to 12.38. Those were on the board bright and early. What happened? Ultimately, The rest you can see for yourself. The market came in or Wayfair came into those numbers. They had a reaction in the other direction. They went on their rocket ride. They were up 10 bucks in a matter of no time. When the market unraveled, so did Wayfair. But nobody cares if you're in this for a scalp trade or day trade. 
You're not letting this happen. You're taking profit along the way. That's what the traders are trained to do. You do that if you're treating this as a business. Here's a funny one with win. So as we're in an uptrend, you know, as your Inside the Numbers member, there aren't a lot of short trades for stocks on the move while we're in an uptrend. They're difficult trades. They're harder trades when the trend is up. Shorting a stock is not the easiest trade on the board, which is why we prefer to buy stocks into support that are getting whacked early in the morning. When the trend changes, different story. So I get a lot of flack each and every morning. Heck, there are no short trades on the board. Traders shouldn't care what's on the board. What they should care about are the opportunities on the board, the best opportunities on the board for the day. And the answer is always yes, as far as I'm concerned, from where I sit. So this morning, we have a short trade on the board in win, and I get one of those, hey, how come there's a short trade on the board? I thought when the trend is up, a rising tide lifts all boats, and we don't short stocks. The net net is, you wouldn't believe some of the emails if you saw my inbox. You can't win for winning, no matter whether I put a short trade on or don't put a short trade on. I get hammered either way. It's kind of funny when you think about it. Meanwhile, same traders complaining about win before it even got into the price. Well, look what happened. It ran up to the price. You can see the two prices were rather close together. Ran to both of them. Ran to the second one. Reversed back down. If you followed the rules and painted by the numbers, it was a nice trade. Wake up Monday, two for two. How do you like them apples? We like them apples. Those are Granny Smiths right there. All right. Back to the S&P. I want to show you something interesting. We touched on this the other day. Let's do it again as a refresher. Weekly chart. Reversal candle. Breakdown candle. Breakdown candle high. Tested today. Rejected. Another breakdown candle high. Same general area. Tested. Rejected. Now from an intraday perspective, you don't know when the rejection is going to occur until they start getting below and closing below certain prices. Nothing says they couldn't hang up there for a couple of days, a day, several hours. After all, this is a weekly chart. You don't know they're going to run up there and get rejected. You don't know they're going to run up there, try and get through, hang out for a few days, and then go down. You don't know until you know. What you do know is that under normal garden variety market conditions, the market is not going to just blow through these type of breakdown candle highs. That's why we talked about it the other day. Camp IWM. We had that lower high scenario working we talked about in the weekend video. We have a gap in crap today. By the way, little short hop that I wanted to bring back around because we looked at this a couple of times as well. Remember, closing above this breakdown candle high the other day on Friday was bullish at the end of the day. They gap up. So it was bullish. Now they fail. They're back below. Again, another recapture of even a different price. This is lower than the 319 price, but it's also yet more bearish. Wanted to bring that to your attention. Remember the other day we pointed out some divergences. So divergences don't normally or always take effect immediately. There's something of a canary in the coal mine. We watch for divergences. We watch because divergences are generally a tell that another market is going to catch up or the divergence will clear up and the said divergent market will go back up to catch up with whatever was not diverging or going higher. In this case, the diverging market was the transports, was the IWM. Not every day, but we were diverging. We were canary in the coal mine-ish. 
So we have to be of note. The IWM looked different than the SPY. We talked about that the other day. Well, here we are finishing on the lows. Again, it's bearish. Unless it's a rope-a-dope on its face, the duck says it's bearish. Using the 80-20 rule, it's bearish. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Well, same routine. So what do we have here? We have a top. We have an attempted run or break out of that top, a failure, and then another one. And so far, it's a failure. They didn't even get to the top, but they so far failed. We'll see. One day doesn't make a failure, but that's what's working in the transports. What's the other side to the coin? If I'm playing umpire, what's the ball and strike? They're above three out of the four moving averages until and unless they get below and close below daily and then first hourly below the 20 period moving average. It's okay. They're just running sideways, eating time off the clock to do what? Go back up to this gap or potentially higher into the 200 period moving average. That's what we discussed in the weekend video. So the other side to that is this is still intact. This is not broken down yet. There's nothing wrong with this. But if the market comes down and breaks this channel, breaks this flaggish pattern, then something else is developing. You have to look at both sides of the coin. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? This was the market that was absolutely in melt-up mode. And what we said was they're melting up or they're bullish. It's in an uptrend. You don't know where the top is. We talked around 11,000 in the NASDAQ composite. 10,824 was the high today in the NASDAQ composite. How about your 11,000 in the NASDAQ futures? NASDAQ futures had a high of 11,058. That's a reversal. That had volume behind it. This is generally not the sign of a one-day wonder. Where is the last breakout area on the NASDAQ? Right around 248, as far as I'm concerned. It's debatable. You can use this gap over here. 250, it's a big fat round number. 248 is more into the breakout area. You have a 20 period moving average at 249. So it's pretty safe to say between 250 and 248, there should be garden variety market support in the queues. What's the story with the financials? Pretty interesting when you look at it. They stayed above the moving averages today. They gapped above, they stayed above, they didn't really go down, they finished up a nickel. Is that a canary in the coal mine telling us that the sell-off today was a one-trick wonder? Was it shenanigans? Was it a rope-a-dope? Or will the XLF follow suit to the downside later in the week? Well, consider this for a second. It looks like an anomaly. However, you have the bank earnings happening this week. So maybe the bank earnings lift the market back up, JP Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and others. Or maybe the market or the XLF is waiting for the bank earnings. Maybe the market won't like the bank earnings and send them down following the rest of the market, and then it becomes a downward spiral. What am I saying? A lot hinges over the next couple of days, specifically tomorrow, with the bank earnings. They get released early in the morning long before the opening bell. What about Smash Mouth? That's a reversal. So again, Smash Mouth or the SMH, the semiconductor space, is a good proxy or a leading proxy or indicator for the tech space as a whole. So you have to look at this and say, hey, here's a reversal. Is the writing on the wall? Is it going to come down at least to the 20 period moving average? Maybe a whole lot more. We're not worried about the whole lot more now. 
We're worried about the market one step at a time. Again, here's a general area, 152, 153, where the SMH has support from the 20-period moving average. There's a gap. It's a former breakout area. The market is not going to just run right through here like it wasn't even there. The market does the same thing it does with every other market on every other chart over and over and over again. It does it using the 80-20 rule the majority of the time. There will be outliers. The market will do crazy stuff. But if you just take what the market does under normal garden variety market conditions, then that's where support should be. 152, 153, maybe slightly below, maybe slightly above, but in that general zone. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are in no way possible? That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.